catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know, heading into this Friday morning, March 10th. I'm Elliot Trito, and this is The Point from WUFT News. Recreational crab traps in Florida are now required to have an opening no larger than 6 by 2 inches to prevent accidental trapping and drowning of diamondback terrapins, a turtle species. The ruling was passed by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission in December 2021, but went into effect on March 1st of this year. I spoke with Florida Sea Grant agent Rick O'Connor about what's expected to come to save the terrapins. Yeah, the reason they're doing it, of course, again, by uh, the, the mission statement of FWC is to conserve uh, fish and wildlife, native fish and wildlife in the state of Florida. So this is a native turtle. It lives in the salt marshes and mangrove uh, swamps of the state, all across the state. Um, and their abundance in our state is relatively no. We don't have a great handle on the exact population, but encounters with them and uh, other uh, assessments of them show that the abundance is pretty low. So FWC uh, has kind of stepped in to uh, do what they need to do to try to conserve what, what members of that population we still have in our state. And the way they handle that, of course, is go through and look at the conservation issues. What are the big things that seem to be impacting them? And one of them is swimming into crab traps. Terrapins have a habit of doing that. There are shellfish eaters. Uh, they typically eat mollusks because that's a lot easier to catch. But if they can get a shrimp or a crab, they'll do that. And being reptiles, once they swim in the crab traps, they they drown. So incidental drowning in crab traps uh, was one of the uh, the items on the list. And FWC has enacted this law, uh, or not law, but ruling, uh, to try to to rectify that. I saw in the article that there was a quote from you that said, we do not know the exact population of terrapins in Florida, right. but studies show their numbers are small, but it's incredibly important that we protect what we have. With that being said, I wanted to see if you can give me some uh, information about the terrapins, like uh, what makes them unique. Yeah, they're really kind of neat animals. Um, they live again in coastal marshes. They're brackish. They're only they're the only brackish water turtle um, that we have in the United States. They are members of what we call the Amayad family. So that would include what everybody calls pond turtles. But again, they prefer the saltier water. So they inhabit salt marshes in the northern part of the state, mangrove swamps in the southern part of the state. They have what we call real strong site fidelity. They don't move around a whole lot. There's not big migrations like you hear about with sea turtles and things like that. They're, they're homebodies. And so the marshes where they exist, they feed, as I said, on shellfish. Breeding is usually going on this time of year, probably even earlier because it's been pretty warm this year. And then at uh, time to lay eggs, the females actually will leave the marsh or the mangroves, go into the open estuary and move up and down the beaches looking for a high, dry, sandy beach to lay her eggs. She'll go up generally during the daytime. She's a, a daytime nester versus the sea turtles. Uh, lay about on average around 10 eggs, you know, sometimes more, sometimes less, but around 10 uh, cover them just the way sea turtles do, and then they're on their own. Uh, when the babies hatch, which is in about 60 to 70 days, uh, they tend to hang around the beach. Uh, they don't go offshore like sea turtles do. They kind of hang close to the beach, live in the rack, find food and subsistence there, and then eventually work their way back into the marsh. So in our state, we have, I mean, there's there's some studies going on now that are kind of checking this, but if you look at most of the literature, they're listing seven subspecies across the United States, 
Five of those are found in Florida and three of them are only found in Florida. So when you look at the different subspecies of terrapins, um, Florida has more than the other the other coastal states. But our abundance compared to, say, Virginia or Maryland up there in the Chesapeake area, they're very abundant up there. I mean, people here in Florida who live on golf course, I mean, they see pond turtles all the time. That's how people in the mid-Atlantic states see terrapins. They're everywhere. Uh, but here we don't see them that often. So, um, again, their numbers are low. There's been some questions of that they were historically low because there was a commercial fishery for them at the turn of the 19th into the 20th century. How did that impact them? Um, and have they recovered from that? So, again, in the state, we've been looking at this for quite a while, actually. You know, what is what are the populations? What are the major impacts to the numbers that we have here and uh, FWC has decided to move this BRD. What you're doing is uh, what's been required for March 1st is put on the crab trap what's called a bycatch reduction device, BRD, or some people just say bird. It's a piece of plastic as a rectangle. It's six by two inches, and you zip tie it into the mouth of the opening of the crab trap. The crabs can turn sideways and get in, but the terrapins cannot get through. And so they started doing these studies up in the Chesapeake because they were having big issues up there. I mean, as I said, the abundance is very high up there. Uh, there was one report of 40 terrapins in one crab trap in Virginia. So uh, they had to jump in and do something early on. They've been dealing with this for quite a while and been using these BRDs for uh, a few years. Uh, but now Florida has decided it's time to bring it here. I was wondering if you could tell me the difference between, like, say, a, a terrapin with a sea turtle. All right, sea turtles, uh, I mean, if you're looking at relative size, the first thing is size. A full-grown diamondback terrapin, the females are larger than males. So if you measured across the top of her shell, across the top, you're looking at about 10 inches. That would be a large adult female, uh, pretty close to the size of the pond turtles you see, and they're more closely related to them. Uh, obviously, you know, sea turtles get a lot bigger than that. Um, but at that same size, uh, the thing that would stick out or stand out to identify them are their their feet, their limbs. Um, the terrapins being closer related to the pond turtles, you can actually see the five-digit fingers and the fingernails. Uh, they do have webbed feet, but they can actually walk on land pretty well. Um, if you look at a sea turtle, the, the digits have actually been engulfed, if you will, by tissue. It's a flipper. Uh, it's actually a flipper. And it's a good question because here where I'm at in the northern panhandle, uh, we find these things on the barrier islands and people will find terrapins and immediately assume they're sea turtles and put them in the Gulf of Mexico instead of into the estuaries, which is where they want to be. Terrapins can tolerate full strength seawater for about a month, but after that, things start going south for them. So uh, we have to educate that not all turtles on the beach are, are sea turtles. So what's next? Yeah, well, the goals, again, we'll get that done. And we'll, the, the folks who are doing, we've had a couple of uh, uh, university student-focused projects on the impacts of crab trapping uh, on terrapin populations. That will continue. Uh, and, you know, again, what we're hoping is that using these BRDs, we will see a reduction of the number of terrapins that are uh, incidentally and drowned in crab traps. So that will be something uh, I don't know. I can't speak for the state agencies if they're going to pick up survey or monitoring on that or, or not. Uh, up here in the northern panhandle, uh, we do a lot of, I do a lot of citizen science where they monitor nesting activity. Um, 
And so we will be monitoring to see um, whether or not that that does in fact in, increase. I, what I, there's two metrics that we measure here. You know, uh, the relative abundance of the females that are coming up on the beach over a period of time, and then we're going to look and see whether that increases. And then uh, head counts, we actually do that too. So uh, it'll be interesting. And then we have what we call frequency of occurrence. I ask my volunteers when they go out. Uh, just to put a one or a zero, did you encounter a terrapin or any sign like a track or anything, or is it zero? So we're hoping that frequency of occurrence also increases. So all these different forms of metrics, we hope to see uh, an increase in those. That was Florida Sea Grant agent Rick O'Connor about what's expected to come to save the terrapins. Now let's catch you up with the latest news from around the state. Jalen Kitna, the former backup quarterback for the University of Florida, would face years in prison and hundreds of dollars in fines and be required to register as a sex offender if he were convicted on the child pornography charges he is facing, according to a review of over 1,000 cases in the county where he is being prosecuted. According to First Take Florida's Troy Myers, even for someone with a previously clean record, no one who was convicted of five counts of child pornography escaped prison time, according to the review of cases in Alachua County Circuit Court dating to 1996. The Florida Senate unanimously passed a bipartisan plan to create more affordable housing for the state's residents on the second day of the 60-day lawmaking session. The measure is now heading to the House, where it's expected to pass. According to WFSU's Valerie Crowder, the Live Local Act would give property tax breaks to developers that build affordable rental units for middle-income residents. The federal government defines affordable housing as costing no more than about a third of household income. And finally, Florida's law passed in the wake of the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland in 2018 that prohibits the sale of rifles and long guns to people under the age of 21 remains in effect after a federal appeals court upheld the law. According to Florida Politics' Gary Warher, a unanimous three-judge panel found the law didn't violate the Second Amendment. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit WFT.org to subscribe and read the most recent issues. I'm Elliot Trito, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News at the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications. The Point will be taking a break next week, but we'll be back with more Florida news on March 20th. Have a great Friday, and enjoy your spring break. <laughs>